Welcome to another episode of the Classic Car Corner Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason Painter, along with John Lockhart and Eric Benzel, and we welcome Philip Pullen of Pullen Motors. Philip, it is great to have you here this evening, my friend. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. This is a really cool setup. Well, well thank you. I appreciate it. It's been a work in progress for quite some time, but like uh, it. it's always fun to add little things here and there, so <laughs> so keep that in mind next time you have a... space down here, man. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> no doubt. But um, So it's always great, obviously, to talk with fellow enthusiasts as we both know. So uh, let's start with your background and where your love for cars began. So I guess that's kind of a long story, but long story short, um, my dad was like an old school hot rod, Chevy, small block Chevy kind Mm -hmm. of guy. Um, I started out kind of doing that before I even had a license. Uh, My first engine swap, I did a 400 small block into a 79 uh, C10 pickup. Gotcha. Took yep. the engine out of an RV, put it in the truck, and I was 14, 15 years old, just ripping around the yard in this nice. truck. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Gotcha. Wow. And eventually, I don't know where it came from, but like, I don't know, like the young rebellion kind of kicked in once mm-hmm. I got into, you know, 15, 16 years old. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I want to do something different. Like, my dad does this whole hot rod thing. Like, I want to try the, the import world out. Yep. Uh, a friend in the neighborhood had a second generation RX-7. Uh, his dad own the car mm-hmm. and i thought it was a really cool car fell in love with it wankel engine wankel rotary yep. uh, he had all the die casts laid out on like his shelves and stuff and like i kind of picked up on that it was a really cool uncommon car yep. and i kind of fell in love with it uh hanging out with the same friend in my neighborhood we were like riding bikes outside or something and on a tow truck we seen another second gen rx7 on a rollback and i was like let's go follow it see where it's going like Maybe we can ask if he's selling it or, like, what's going on with it. So we rode down there. I think I made an offer on the car, like, four or 500 bucks, bought the car. <laughs> I'm 14, 15 years old. You know, I don't even have a license yet, and I just went and bought this car. <laughs> I took it home to my dad, and he's like, what, what is this? Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's a rotary engine? What do you do with that? Uh-huh. <laughs> right, right. So basically that forced me into, you know, he had no idea what the car was, mm-hmm. and I was just basically forced to sit down, figure it out, dissect it. Yep. And if I wanted a car to drive when I turned 16 years old, I had to figure it out, mm-hmm. you know? So that's kind of a long story of what started it all for me. And then from that point, cars just took over my whole life. Gotcha. And this is only 10 years ago. Exactly. I know. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. Right. <laughs> getting a great jump on that uh, yeah, exactly. career, uh, no. career track. Absolutely. So speaking right. of that, Philip, uh, when did you start pulling motors and how'd that come about? It's been about two and a half years now, like legally or officially, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call that. Um, I was working at the Audi dealership here in town, doing a lot of stuff on the side at my uh, at my house. Eventually, like my HOA got ticked <laughs> off that I was doing too many cars. I had more customer cars in my driveway than I did my own cars. So, you know, we're street parking and just trying to clutter the neighborhood a little bit. I was like, eh, maybe I should look into, you know, an additional garage or a shop or something. So we found... Um, we found a storage unit over in Shepherdsville, did that for a while. It was a little too far out of my daily drive. So then I found another small shop over by the airport, 
I was working like 18, 19 hour days. I'd get off, you know, get off work from the Audi dealership, come home, hang out for 20, 30 minutes, and then go back to my second job, quote unquote. And um, it just took off. I mean, you know, word of mouth's really big. Yep. Um, you do good work, you be an honest person, and it goes a really, really long way. It certainly does. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Now, most people say, what do you work on? What, what, is there anything that you don't work on? Because what you do work on is probably a very long list, and the things you don't work on might be shorter. We try to stick to just Volkswagen and Audi. Um, unfortunately, I do know a lot of people that don't like being taken advantage of to where I can kind of come in, help them out, make sure that they're not paying an absurd amount of money to have their Honda Civic worked Mm -hmm. on. You know, Mm -hmm. I take care of them. I make money. That's where a little bit of the non-Volkswagen Audi comes into play. Like friends of friends that I want to help out, make a little bit of money, everyone wins. Mm -hmm. But long story short, Volkswagen Audi, it's what we like to do, is what we're comfortable with, and we try to stay to it as much as possible. Very good. So I heard, um, heard you loud and clear, Volkswagen Audi. Obviously, there's some characteristics with Porsche when the Volkswagen I actually, Audi. I don't do a whole lot of Porsche. Okay. But but you could. I could. Yeah, yeah. gotcha. Right. All right. And would a Cayenne be the exception? Yeah. Cayenne's an exception. It's, <laughs> it's essentially a Touareg. All right. 914. Uh, screw BMW. No BMW. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you there. Jot that one. Everyone fan. listening, jot that down. No BMW at pulling motors. <laughs> That's very good. Everybody knows here I'm not the I'm the anti BMW guy. Oh, I hate them. Between hate em. Jason and Eric, no, I don't hate them. I just. Hate most of the people that drive them. <laughs> you don't enjoy a, a big plastic engine that's reliable for three thousand miles. It's they're the, they're least return vehicles. I mean, you know, they somebody buys it brand new or leases it brand new. You trade it in with fifty, sixty thousand, and on to the next person it goes, and the misery begins. <laughs> Good luck. That's right. <laughs> so so the question is: so you got these Volkswagen Volkswagens and Audis in your shop. Are you full service? Like, do you do alignments to AC repair, or is it just kind of more tuned into the block and powertrain? Or are you what 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 services uh, do you provide? To make that answer as short as possible, mm-hmm. I think the only things we don't do there in regards to a full service is we don't have a uh, we don't do alignments. Okay, we don't do any kind of tire work, but uh, okay. we actually sublet that to uh, Mr. Taylor Inge at oh, yeah, Pro Auto Care sure. in Middletown. Yep. Great guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we send all of our alignments and tire work down to him, and okay. he takes good care of us, and we gotcha. just kind of keep things flowing. There you go. All right. Well, you got to know have a lot of know-how to work on cars from top to bottom. Especially these so days, yeah. Tell, uh, tell us about any ASE certifications that you or your staff have that kind of contribute to the success of Poland Motors. So I actually took advantage of the dealership's education. I actually physically don't have any ASE certifications. Uh, Chad might have a good bit. Chad's been in the industry for 25 years, I think. But as far as me, I, I did all the dealership training, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So all of my Volkswagen and Audi certifications come directly from the dealership. Gotcha. There you go. So that's why we kind of try and not do a whole lot of other makes and models as well, just mm-hmm. because my certifications on paper are for those two brands. Gotcha. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Stick yeah. to what you know yep. and do yep. it well. Absolutely. Yep. Keeps it simple. Yep. <laughs> that's for sure. We've created quite a bit of a niche market to where, you know, we're doing suspension, wheels, customization, stuff like that, too. And then on top of maintenance, uh, Chad was Volkswagen Audi Master Tech for over 10, 15 years. So that's where a lot of, a lot of my knowledge comes from right now mm-hmm. is him. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Yep. Very cool. Now, 
in the empire that will become of Pullen Motors, uh, you have one location out in Middletown right now, yes. or is, how many more are you looking to grow into? I get that question a lot, and to simplify that question, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I want to run like a multi-store, you know, mm -hmm. operation or anything like that. I just want to keep it simple, have a good time while doing it. Right. If if my bills are being paid, my employees are being paid, and we can hang out in a smaller shop, just kind of rock it out and have a good time. That's where I'm at. Mm -hmm. um, we will need bigger space in the future, but I don't. I'd like to keep it simple and not just go over the top with it. Just keep it an organic growth, and yep. so that way it's not overwhelming. It's all exactly because if it's one thing, I mean, being a 27 year old, being thrown in the mix of this uh, by my own fault, uh, it's a lot, man. I'll be yeah. honest, it's a lot, and I couldn't imagine taking in any more than what I do now. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's good to have the business flow for. But you're, you know, you've got the business, so that's great. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, all right, so are you having any part supply issues in today's auto service climate? Any back order stuff? Surprisingly, not really. Oh, well, that's um, good. We use uh, WorldPack. Um, WorldPack's more of a shop-only distributor to where it's not accessible to the general public. So a lot of those parts aren't being grabbed by everyone. They're only being grabbed by actual established businesses. So oh, good. they've got multiple locations across the United States, even the world. And we don't normally have trouble getting parts. Gotcha. Are they OE parts or are they, are, are they uh, not OE parts or OEM. a mixture? You could yeah. do, it's, a, it's a mixture of yep. about everything. Um, Essentially, what they did is they bought dealership overstock okay. know, all of, over the years to where, for example, for like the Touareg, I can get quite a few new OEM Volkswagen genuine parts for my 2006 Touareg because they bought the dealership overstock when they realized they weren't selling as much, and now Worldpack stocks that stuff. Mm -hmm. I got you. So I got okay. brand new genuine control arms for it the other day, fuel filter, oil filter, uh, and that's where we're able to... Um, guarantee the OEM quality repair because of getting those parts from there. Okay. We'll be, we'll be talking about basket case here later. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> you know, with the supply chain, parts have been hard to get for a lot, of, right. a lot of places, and uh, I've been waiting on parts for my car that's coming tomorrow. Well, me, but my company uh, for over uh, close to a year. Really? It's just now coming in. And I will say came in last week, and then the buses, we're, we're buying parts off eBay. Oh, wow. And then we bought junkers from other agencies to part them out to help keep our fleet going. That's wild. That's that's yeah. something else. It is. Wow. I'll say our market, I think, where we're beneficial is, I mean, we're not working on, you know, 2018, 2019 vehicles. You know, we're working on strictly out-of-warranty vehicles mm -hmm. to where a lot of those parts are now pretty well established in the aftermarket world or just – you know, their parts are pretty readily available, mm -hmm. for lack of better terms. So we don't run into a lot of that, surprisingly, thankfully. So the next question is, <laughs> as, as the, the world turns and everybody thinks the electric vehicles are the end-all, be-all, um, do you see you in your shop ever potentially taking on or learning how to work on electric vehicles? I think it's kind of inevitable at this point. Um, I hope that there will be some secondhand uh, schooling for electric vehicles to where 
I could send myself or my partner to mm -hmm. training to receive the training we need to do that. Um, I personally, not to get too far into it, I think it's really cool. I'm excited to see what the future holds. Um, it will be sad not hearing the right. the engine noises anymore. But as far as, you know, this is just the start. And some of the numbers that we're seeing off of these cars are really impressive. I mean, look at the Taycan. Mm -hmm. It's a really impressive car, really fast. Um, well, you almost have to be an electrician, really. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's where you start. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. I mean, right. it's kind of going from the mechanic side to the computer side, like 100%. Well, I mean, I've... I've um, we're I've, slowly inching there car by car, too. Yeah. So, like, right as I left the dealership, it seemed like we were doing more computer updates than actual, you know, part swapping or diagnosing. It gotcha. was cars doing this. There's an update available for it. It's been an hour updating the computer. Send the car out. Software updates. Yep. Wow. Rolling phones. Rolling phones. Well, you know, and that the, as far as talking about EV vehicles, because I know we're, we're going to have a chat about that coming up soon. Uh, oh, yeah. EV vehicles yep. and where mm -hmm. they're going. Is there any, because uh, specializing in Audi and Volkswagen, has there any word from them about natural gas or uh, hydrogen engines or anything like that outside of just EV? The last thing I heard about what direction they were going in was Audi planned to have their entire fleet being completely electric by 2025. Mm -hmm. That's the only bit of information I've ever gotten in regards to that. That's just two years away. I know. Yeah, Not I don't, 2035, but 2025. Yeah. Interesting. It's, it's going to be... I don't. I think the deadline for them has changed since then, but I don't think they're going to be too far off their deadline. Hmm. I mean, they're forking out quite a few electric cars as we speak. Um, they've got the e-tron, the e-tron RS GT, um, the Which? hybrid Q5s are now coming out again. Um, I mean, they're they're forking them out left and right. Wow. Well, I'm anxious to see down the road in 2025 and 2027 when a lot of the automakers are going full electric for the time being and the supply because not everybody's going to go fork out 50 grand or be able to buy a $50,000 electric car. Mm -hmm. And then you buy the cheaper cars that are going to be electric. And then two years after that, you're going to need a new battery. battery yep, and yep. it's the same cost as buying a brand new car. Almost. Yeah. So uh, I'm yep. interested, I'm interested to see how that, how the market changes and uh, the, the supply and demand. Uh, comes around because you can buy a you know, fuel car anywhere. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So I've heard through the grapevine, and trust this for what you will, I've probably seen it on the internet. Um, well, you know it's true then. It's been on the internet. Look, you know it's true. Nissan was speaking in the terms of kind of like your cell phones nowadays to where you don't really sign that two-year contract that you used to. You just essentially lease the phone. And then once the new model comes out in two years, you basically trade the new model, trade in for the new model for mm -hmm. a small fee, and you're rocking the new model. But Nissan was talking about doing the same thing with their cars. You, that you does the change car, the entire You lease it for two years. That, yeah. You pay a couple, you know, small upgrade fee, and you get into the next new model. Mm -hmm. It's like they're going to full disposable vehicles. Gotcha. Okay. And would you say? Well, and I think we kind of touched about it as far as what's easier or harder to repair. I think it, it, it's like a there's other aspects of that of this question of would you say cars are harder, easier to repair, that are new or old? I guess it would depend on what component on a newer used car is easier, user or difficult to repair. 
So with me being in this younger generation of people, we were basically, you know, learning on computers the day we started school. So being used to computers and technology, I think personally for me, it's easier to work on the newer cars just mm-hmm. because you can hook a scan tool up to it, communicate with 32 different modules, which sounds like hell, but those 32 <laughs> different modules can help lead you to a place easier than just grabbing a multimeter and being like, oh, got to check this wire from the front of the bumper to the rear of the bumper. Mm-hmm. You know, you get a little, little more accurate pinpointing with all of the new technology that's in those vehicles. For some reason, I just thought of the wiring system of a Triumph or a MG. The rat's nest of something's something shocking me when I've hit the gas pedal. What is it? It's in there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I want to disconnect the battery, but I'm kind of scared to do that too. <laughs> there you go. All right. So if you could advise any one uh, statement about maintenance, what would it be to somebody? In other words, make sure your oil change intervals are done every three to 5,000 miles or making sure you're using the right proper oil uh, that's recommended by the manufacturer. What are you seeing that you're like, man, if you would just pay attention to this, then then that? <laughs> so with the Volkswagens and Audis specifically, uh, the oil change intervals are a big, big pet peeve of mine. Um, you hear a lot of the times that some of the newer Audis have timing chain problems. You hear it left and right, like the two or the four-cylinder, two-liter turbos. We're doing timing chains on those two, three times a week. Um, and it's one of those things that it's like, if you would just change your oil when you were supposed to, you wouldn't have a three to $4,000 repair bill right now. Mm-hmm. And all that oil builds up, gets dirty, clogs the oil passageways, timing chains are oil pressure driven, the tensioner's oil pressure driven, it's not getting adequate oil pressure, it's going to jump time. Yep. Um, Basically, I mean, keep it simple. Listen to your mechanic. You know, he's not trying to sell you on a bunch of stuff you don't need. Uh, Obviously, trusting the right person is important, but if you trust the guy, you're listening to what he's saying, chances are he's probably looking out for you in the future. He's not trying to sell you on some stuff you don't need. Just get it taken care of before it comes a huge ordeal. Yep, yep, yep. You, right. know, you may not be able to afford the repair right now, but you're not going to be able to afford the repair when you skip this repair and something catastrophic fails. Right. So Always keep that in mind. Now, along those lines, so what is the worst repair job that somebody's brought into <laughs> you that you looked at the car and you're like, <laughs> what? Uh, just scrap it and go to the dealership because this is... And we're not, not asking that because this Eric, is Eric not Benson good. just walked in here. <laughs> <laughs> just a coincidence. I, dude, I've seen some off-the-wall stuff. Um, I mean, I've seen the videos where they're, you know, they're changing the oil, and it's just solid. So they're sticking a coat hanger up in there. And to try just, to, yeah. Uh, yeah. And no wonder why the car's not running. Right. So I just wonder if you've ever seen anything really, really outside of the norm <laughs> that's just a head-scratcher. A lot of our stuff that we see that's just completely off-the-wall is usually user error. On the fact of a lot of people take those cars to any mechanic, you know, mom and pop shop that doesn't know a dang thing about those cars. And a lot of stuff gets screwed up because they're not used to taking this component off or having to do this. And a lot of it's just a big puzzle piece that we have to put back together to get back to square one because of the lack of knowledge from someone else. Um, We've had, you know, alternators screwed in by two or three screws hand tight and car drove in for an oil change and it's like 
yo, your alternator is about to fall off. I know you're just here for an oil change, but like, <laughs> how did you get here? <laughs> right. Yeah. <clears throat> um, another one, a guy hit like a Hennessy bottle on the expressway and like smashed a fuel line. So the car would sometimes run and it sometimes wouldn't. <laughs> and I'm like, how did you know it was a Hennessy bottle? And he was like, I didn't want to tell you, but it was mine. <laughs> so I, I ran it over in the driveway. I backed over it and I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Good stories. That's yeah. for sure. Uh, it, like I said, we see quite a bit of everything, but most of the time it usually comes back to user error, people not knowing what they're doing when they mess with those cars. And like I said, it just it's really important to have someone that actually enjoys working on those vehicles mm-hmm. do it because a lot of people are going to try and cut the corners, beat the labor time so that they can cash out for the day, and it's, it's not worth it. Just gotcha. take it to a guy that knows what he's doing. doesn't have to be me. Just save yourself the trouble and take it to a specialist. Gotcha. Now, when it comes to some upgrades, what's one of the craziest things that you've up that someone's asked you to help them do an upgrade on on their car? Oh, here's, yes, this was recent. Actually, it's a good question. Um, try to keep it as like non personal as possible. But <laughs> I had a phone call. A friend sent him my way. Uh, this guy in particular had bought said friend's car. And he was like, hey, you know, Phillip's got this shop over in Middletown. All they do is Volkswagen. They'll be able to get you together if you need anything. He was like, cool. So the guy calls me, and he's, he's a foreign guy. I couldn't understand him very well, but I, I tried my best. But what I narrowed it down to what he was asking is he wanted to add a turbo to the car. And I was like, okay, no big deal. And he was, I asked, I said, what's the vehicle? He was like, oh, it's a like 2018 Volkswagen GTI uh, with a 2.0 turbo. And I'm like, those cars already have a turbo. And he's like, yeah, but I want another one. And I'm like, (laughs) what do you mean? And he was like, I just want to stack another turbo on top of the turbo. I want to twin turbo it. And I was like, buddy, it's not as easy as that sounds. You can't just stack them (laughs) up like Legos, man. You know, you're talking full custom tubular manifolds. And it's like, man, like, sorry to like, hurt your feelings or bring you down but like probably not possible like i'm not a fab guy i'm a pretty you know maintenance and repair kind of guy mm-hmm. i was like we can upgrade the turbo we could go bigger turbo he was like no i want two and i was like oh. <laughs> <laughs> two turbo. interesting yeah 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 I, didn't, I, didn't know. I want a Mopar this Volkswagen. Yeah, yeah, right. I want to cut the hood out. I want it to lope. <laughs> right. There you go. Exactly. Well, speaking of Moparing a, a Volkswagen, we obviously saw what you drove. Is that the only kind of fun car that you've got? Or do you have... Uh, do you have How much other? time do you have? <laughs> I got you. Right, right. All that you need. I've got... So the Touareg that I pulled up in, uh, I was actually helping a friend move, uh, so I, I brought that. I figured it'd be cool to bring anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a 2006 Volkswagen Touareg with a V10 twin-turbo diesel engine. Uh, factory, they were about 380 horsepower, almost 600 foot-pounds of torque, and that is bone stock, no mm-hmm. tune, out of the box. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, uh, never mind. I think I am wrong. Bent, Bentley has a... That's the W12. Right. Yeah. That's the okay. W12 that was in the Phaeton. Okay. But is there any blood with Volkswagen? Is it Bentley? Am I thinking right? Or well, Volkswagen Auto Group owns Bentley. There you go. Yes. See, I wasn't... I wasn't... Yeah. Okay. So, but, essentially, it... Not to, like, up-badge my stuff here, but, like, it's a Bentley. Like, the cluster is a Bentley. The ignition... 
a lot of that stuff is shared part numbers from Bentley. Yeah. Now we can, I can up badge myself, or I can look at it the opposite way and say, hey, that a Bentley is basically using a Volkswagen ignition and a Volkswagen cluster. Okay. Glass right. half empty, half half full. Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. <laughs> well, it's a cool looking car for yeah. You know, oh, it is in the in, in it still runs great. You know, it probably has its quirks as we were talking about earlier. But I like the wheels that you put on. I like the bigger wheels. Big tires. The air suspension, that's that's another thing that's really cool about that's that right. car. That's right. That's, uh, so I the like market the market for that vehicle was a little bit of everything. They wanted like a family vehicle that was fun to drive. If you wanted to track it, it's got sport mode. You can lower the suspension down, get it closer to the earth. It's got uh, locking differentials. It's got an adjustable transfer case, high, low range. So like it's a fully capable off-road mm-hmm. vehicle. Uh, it's all-time all-wheel drive, but if you wanted to actually lock all four at the same time, there are switches and buttons for that. So not only is it a family-safe vehicle that you can take to the track, but you can also absolutely keep up with the big dogs off-road. And doesn't it have sensors on each wheel that redirects power to different wheels if one starts slipping? Yep. That's part of the, like, ABS and the traction control system. They... you speak over-engineering, and that is definitely one of the most over-engineered vehicles. Uh, it gets worse, but that was like the be- <laughs> that was the beginning of like, okay, what are you guys really doing? <laughs> now, basket case, my V8 Touareg, it has about a 72, 7,500-pound towing capacity. What does that V10 have? I want to say 85 last time I checked. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's got the big uh, Brembo brakes, the 17Z calipers, all that stuff. Um, it'll pull. Like, you won't realize anything's behind it whatsoever. There's a really fun video, if anybody wants to know what we're talking about, of Jeremy Clarkson on Top, on top Gear, Gear. Yep. where he says, I-, I can't say anything bad about it, but I can't see why this even exists, as he's <laughs> riding on a trunk of like a 30-foot tree He's pulling the tree out of the ground with the Touareg. And somebody's driving the Touareg, and he's just riding on it with a chain tied to the thing. He's just riding it along the British countryside going, it can do this. (laughs) But why? Yeah, we're not really sure why, but you can. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it's better to not ask why and (laughs) just do it and and have fun and go with the flow. So what's your other fun car that you have? Again, how much time do you have? (laughs) So I've got the Touareg. Another really cool one, we've got a 2019 Audi S5 Sportback. So it's the first year of the revised six-cylinder engine that they were putting in the sports line cars. Uh, It actually has the turbocharger, which the previous model, they labeled it as a 3.0 turbo, but it was actually a supercharger. Not really sure why they did that, but (laughs) whatever, different story. The S5 is really cool. Um, We've had it for little over a year now we put suspension on it put bigger wheels on it it's a really fun car um we kind of use it as a road tripper but Mm -hmm. also a really fast really fun car to drive um i've got two rx7s i have a 1995 fd rx7 Mm -hmm. that i saved out of a barn that it sat in for 17 years that car had 18,000 original miles Mm. when i powered it up for the first time wow it's um I took my dad for a ride in it whenever I first got it, and he was like, I know you weren't, like, (laughs) you couldn't remember the 90s, and, like, (laughs) you could go into a dealership, and this is exactly what a car felt like, brand new in 1995. 
Nice. Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah like, that this is cool. feels like right. a brand new car. And I was like, eh, it kind of is, if you think about it. I mean, mm-hmm. 18,000 miles on a 95. That's awesome. But it's a really sweet car. Um, that's been my dream car since I was 15, 16. Whenever I bought that first second-gen RX-7, I fell in love with the FD. But the second generation was the much more affordable version back then. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought... I've probably owned close to 10 RX-7s now, and wow. nine of them were the second-generation mm-hmm. models. Okay. And you could pick them up for sub $500 all day long. Uh, what had happened is somebody would flood it. They thought it was broke. They'd sell it for scrap, and I'd unflood it in their driveway and drive it home. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, deal's done. Right. Right. Deal's done. Title sign, uh, unflood right. it in the driveway, drive it home. And <laughs> I daily drove an FC second-gen RX-7 for probably collectively five, six, seven years now at this point. Um, what a fun car. They how, are. How many blast. generations? There are three total. Okay, yeah. There was the first generation was the FB, second was the FC, and the third was the FD. Okay, gotcha. The FD is what everyone thinks of when they hear RX-7, you know, the Dominic Toretto red car mm-hmm. from yep. the first Fast and the Furious. Right, yep. Uh, the second generations are coming around, however. The days of buying them for sub a thousand dollars are long gone. You know, I've had offers of six or seven thousand dollars for my car, and it's in primer. And it's like, <laughs> are you all nuts? Like, I paid like eight hundred dollars for this car like seven years ago, man. It's all that <laughs> JDM stuff, probably. It, it's right? exactly what it is. You know, the drift guys. I really, I have a high level of respect for the drift guys, just because their culture is really cool. They know how to party. They know how to have a good time. But what I don't like is, I mean, you're destroying a car every season. I mean, you get those kids that go get a 240 or an RX-7, they run it for a good year, and that car's done. It's good for scrap. Yeah. And that's what's beneficial to me is it's skyrocketing the value of my car, but now I never want to sell it because it's going to go to some drift kid and be ruined, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, right. eh. yep. Oh, yeah. So are you in any car clubs? Or have you been? Or interested is not your thing? Or I usually try and fly solo, as cliche and weird as that sounds i just i don't have anything against them i just kind of stick to myself you know i'm i have my hands in probably 10 to 15 different clubs um and i go participate in their events and hang out uh the only one that i really participate much in is uh our next guest here uh mr eric benson the river city rippers Mm -hmm. uh that's probably the closest thing to i've been to a car club in probably my entire car existence gotcha um, he runs a really cool group. It's a group full of literally everything you can think of, Ferraris, Lamborghinis, Porsches, to kids that just got their first car and they drive a Toyota Corolla. You know, yeah. it's it's a very open world. They have super nice events, really cool car shows, and probably one of my favorite groups I've been in in a while. Nice. Younger kids are always driving automatics. Got to work on that. <laughs> we'll have to have a separate episode one day for the uh, the current trending car scene <laughs> right there you go we ain't got enough time for that today i'll tell you that uh what advice would you give to a shade tree mechanic other than you need to bring your car to me if it's a volkswagen and audi hmm. trying to think of that situation in particular trying to relate it to a actual occurrence it's it's always the people that are trying to make a couple bucks they're like oh i'll do your starter for 40 bucks but what they don't realize is it's a volkswagen and the starter's buried underneath two separate intake manifolds <laughs> and that 40 bucks now turns into oh i broke a coolant hose i broke <laughs> a 
I broke a butterfly valve or a mm-hmm. vacuum plunger on the mm-hmm. intake manifold. So now you got to buy a $600 intake, take it to the right person the first time around. And mm-hmm. I if somehow, some way in a weird, in a weird formula, you're probably going to save money if you take it to the expensive guy the first time around because the cheap guy's probably going to break a lot of stuff. Yeah. You get what you pay for. Exactly. That's right. You get what you pay for. That's right. All right. A few more questions here, and then I, uh, Mr. Benzel will have the final uh, power. Right. Of the, yeah. So, but, so uh, where can people reach out? to you for service so we're really big on social media Mm -hmm. Uh, we do facebook instagram Uh, we've got a website Um, a lot of that stuff you can just go on google type in pullman motors a lot of that stuff is the first thing to pop in not a very common shop name not a very common name period Uh, so our benefit is that all that stuff pops up pretty quickly Um, the best method of contact we are pretty old school give us a phone call if we don't answer leave a voicemail and we will get back with you. Um, our shop phone number is 502-365-3040. We're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Gotcha. All right. All right. Is there any other uh, people you'd like to give a shout-out to or maybe some vendors that have treated you right? Um, we'll give a shout-out to, again, Mr. Eric Benson. Uh, Eric and I have been pretty good friends, and he's been helping me out a lot with, uh, like, marketing and making me feel a part of his uh, Cars in the Common Car show here in the next couple weeks. Um, Benson's been a really good friend that I – I consider him a really good friend, and I've known the guy maybe two months now. <laughs> there you uh, go. But, yeah, definitely Benson. Uh, Mr. Taylor Inge with Inge Auto Works and Pro Auto Care. Um, Taylor gives me tons and tons of really good advice. I'm from actually, my neighborhood, by the way. Oh, yeah? Yep. There you now, go. I'm far. actually in his old shop. Uh, he was the reason I got the shop that I'm in now, so I will thank him for that. And then, uh, like I said, Pro Auto Care, they do all of our alignments and tire work, and they're really great guys over there and help us out tremendously. Um, any other shout-outs? I'd say thanks to you all for having me. First of time course. I've done yeah. something like no this. Problem. It's been really a great, cool. oh, it's great, been great f- conversation. Yeah, a lot of fun. We look yeah. forward to having you back yeah, on of to course. talk about other topics as well. So yeah, yeah that's a, I'm glad it. to have you in the family. Definitely enjoyed my time here, and uh, if I can bullcrap about any other more topics, I'd be glad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. you're, so. in the, you're in the right company for that. That's so. right. <laughs> so the final question we have is the same question we've asked every guest that we've had from Mario Andretti to Wayne Carini and everybody. When you took your driver's test, what car did you take it in? That's a really good question. I, you know, I have to sit here and think about this. This was like 10 years ago. I was going to say, was it the Mazda you like, built? Dude, it feels like 100 <laughs> <Yeah>. years ago. <laughs> I want to say it was my mom's 2003 Civic because right. it was just, I mean, it, it worked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Easy car to parallel um, Pretty park. easy to parallel park. <laughs> small. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Very small. <laughs> I was going to do the RX-7, but ironically, I didn't trust it to make that hike. <laughs> so we live, I grew up in Shively, and where I took my test was Bowman Field, and that's like a 25-minute drive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, eh. <laughs> I don't know if I trust this. My dad definitely didn't trust it. He yeah. didn't trust the fact that it even ran. It was like <laughs> he had his tinfoil hat on and was like, what the oh, hell is this thing? <laughs> <laughs> right, there you go. Nice. 
Uh, that's awesome, man. Well, Philip, uh, what a pleasure having you this evening, and we uh, certainly wish you much continued success at Poland Motors. And uh, thank you for tuning in, and happy motoring from your friends here at the Classic Car Corner Podcast. Thanks for having us, guys. I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks a lot. One hand on the wheel, pedal to the floor, quarter mile suits my style, give me just a little bit more, river upon river, cutter drive you in my dreams I'll drive you in my dreams drive you in